Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Can anybody tell me what this verse right here is usually preached on? Let me hear. Say it. God, always a safe answer. What specifically? I love it. Jesus. Yes, let's get through that. Okay, what specifically is this? Man is not, it's not good that man should be alone, but I will make a helper fit for him. What is that usually preached on? Marriage. Good. Very good. Okay. Marriage. I'm going to have you guys repeat a lot back to me today, so so I'm going to need that. So hopefully you had your coffee because I had too much. Okay. We ready? Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Maybe I don't need a mic. I don't know. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today, and and God, I thank you, um, Father, God, we thank you for your word, and God, we thank you that we have a place to meet, God, to hear about your word, but God, to hear from you, God, would you move in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits this morning, God, would you speak to us, God, use me, God, that I might get out of the way that you may speak through me to the hearts of your people, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so growing up, um, I had uh, my, my favorite TV show. It started my junior year of high school. Uh, my favorite TV show that's now off of Netflix, which is kind of like, oh, because we cut cable. I feel, like, I feel like such a rebel that we cut cable. I feel like we're kind of like off the grid now. Like I live in a treehouse out in the woods or something. Like we cut cable. Ooh. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. You probably don't pay the cable bill, so that doesn't connect. So anyways, saves a lot of money. Uh, that was free. So uh, my favorite show in high school was the show called Friday Night Lights, okay? And some of you know about it, right? If you know about it, raise your left hand. And you see left hand, right hand doesn't count. Okay, you know about it. All right, cool. So uh, there, there, I had a favorite character. Who do y'all think he was? Riggins. It was Riggins. Tim Riggins was my favorite character. If you don't know him, I'm going to describe him. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, that dude's in, like, every show, all right? That, that, that type. Okay, so Riggins was, like, he was, like, the tough guy. Uh, uh, you know, he was kind of like this loner. He was like rugged. He was also like a 30-year-old man playing a high schooler, and, but nobody questioned it. Like, that was cool. Uh, he was like super buff. He was like a man's man. He drove like a beat-up Chevy, and so I wanted a beat-up Chevy, but I, I don't even know how to put air in my tires, so that's probably not good. Those things break down all the time. Uh, but he, he was just like this, he, he was this man's man, and this, this type of character is very popular. In, in, in TV shows and in movies, and we're intrigued by this character. We're kind of drawn to this character a little bit. If you think about it, it's kind of this Lone Ranger type deal. Uh, he, he's, he's by himself, right? Think, um, uh, what's he like? Think uh, any Western movie ever? Think that guy, right? I mean, it's that guy. It's, it's the John Wayne. Who's that? John Wayne type of character. He's kind of this loner, right? Like, like nobody gets to him. Nobody knows. Or, or like in some movies, he's like, he's like the mysterious guy, right? And the new girl shows up to the school, and she's like, oh, my gosh, who's this mysterious guy? He's so mysterious. I like this guy. He's like, and everybody's like, oh, sweetheart. No, nobody gets to him. Nobody, nobody, like, and you're like, no, I, no that's going to be me. And it's like, no, he's mysterious, bro. Like, nobody knows about him, right? And, and we, we're intrigued by this type of guy, and, and I, like, I kind of wanted to be like that, but um, usually what happens with these types of characters is we find out two things. 
the first thing that we find out is that something in their past made them like that. Let me reword that. Nothing made them like that. But some circumstances happened, some things happened where they chose to be like that. They chose for that to be their identity, right? So we find out that something's happened in their past, and then someone usually, like, finally connects with the character after a few fights of, like, you never let anyone in. He's like, that's my thing, right? And then they finally finally connect with him a little bit, uh, and then we find out, and here's the thing we usually find out about that character. They really do want somebody in their life. They really do want to connect with somebody, whether it's a friendship, if it's if it's a relationship, if it's to be a part of a group, to be a part of something bigger than themselves, whatever it is, we find out, we, we, under, we, we see why this person has chosen to live this way, but we also find out that they're not really happy. And this whole facade that they're putting on is fake, and they do it to keep people out, but really deep down inside, they're crying out and they want to be a part of a group. And guys, I'm telling you, man, I, I, I have that too, and I know that you do as well. Like, no matter what personality type you are, if you're super outgoing or, or if you are not, if you're an extrovert or if you're an introvert, if you're super bubbly or if you're socially awkward, whatever it is, we all have this deep desire within us to be a part of a community, to have these relationships in our lives. It's not by accident, no matter what language, what country, what time period you're from in life, Throughout human history, we are designed for community and for relationships. It's how we are. I'm saying this, and I don't even think I'm convincing you, but I'm, I'm telling you something that you already know deep down. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, let's look at it again. Then the Lord God said, it is what? It is what? Not good. That man should be what? Should be what? It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So let me back up. So just like I said, usually this verse is preached in the context of marriage, and rightfully so, as it is. But like with God's word, it's, 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 it's not pigeonholed to just one thing. But this verse right here speaks to us in all kinds of relationships that we can have. And also there's something interesting about this verse uh, it's the first time in the Bible that something is said to be not good. The very first time. The very first time in all of creation, this creation account, something is to be not good. Now, if you're picking up the Bible for the first time and you're reading, and you start at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and you're reading, you're reading all these things and God's creating, and he's saying, it's what? What is he saying? It's good, it's good, it's good. And then one time he says it's very good, and then he says, <laughs> he gets to this point, and he says it's not good. Now, if you're reading that, your brain should go, wait a minute, something just happened, that's not right, what's going on? And the fact is, it's not that God created something that was not good, it's that God wasn't done creating. Because God designed us to be together. He designed us to be in relationship, first with him, but also with each other. So then you're asking, well, what, what was not good about it? Well, he was alone. Repeat this after me. It's not good to be alone. It's not good to be alone. All right, we're going to get louder and louder as the service goes by. You cool with that? Okay, cool. All right, cool. I love it. Here we go. Um, so, so let me ask you this. Was Adam completely alone? No, why not? 
Because he had God. Okay, good. What else did he have? He had animals. Good, okay. Yeah, Adam had a garden, right? He was taking care of the garden. He could eat all the fruits and vegetables if you're into that kind of thing, right? I'm not. It's okay. Uh, he had all the animals, and all the animals came to him, right? He didn't have to go chase them down. Like, he didn't have to have treats. They came to him, and he got to name them. That's kind of cool, right? And then, just like you said, he had God. Think about that, guys. God was there with Adam in the garden, there with him, yet God said that it's not good for man to be alone. So clearly he wasn't literally alone in that sense, but there was this aloneness yet that man was not completed because he didn't have someone else. And so when I say alone, I'm really talking about isolated. I'm going to use those two words interchangeably, alone and isolated or separated, living your life that way. And I'm not just talking about like having alone time. Like we all need that. Absolutely. 100%. Jesus got alone to be with the father. We definitely need it too, if Jesus needed it. But what I'm talking about here is this isolation. Proverbs 18 chapter one says, one who has isolated himself seeks his own desires. He rejects all sound judgment. Because when you're by yourself, you only hear yourself. And we can have some pretty dumb ideas, okay? <laughs> Including myself. I've had some ideas, and then Britta will be like, hey, that's pretty dumb. And I'll be like, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm glad I didn't do that, all right? Well, she says it nicer than that, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, we, we need other people around us for counsel, right? Just like Matthew 18, when, when a brother sins against you, you go to them one-on-one, -on -one, and what's the next thing it says? What's the next thing, CJ? Yeah, take, two, take one or two others with you. Why? Because God speaks through other people, and we need other people in our lives that God will speak through to us. Here's another thing. Isolation invites sin. One of my favorite pastors, his name's Matt Chandler. He, he always says that, um, that a dangerous man is a bored man, or a bored man is a very dangerous man isolation and invites sin into our lives. Why? Because we're created to be with each other. We're created for relationships and community. And when we're not filling that desire, when we're not getting that need and that desire, we look to other things and other places to be able to fill that. And usually that's not good. It's not good to be alone. Awesome. Here's the thing. And we know this. Like that, why do you think social media is so popular? Raise your hand if you use social media. It's me. Yeah, the majority of the room. Okay. And uh, I, don't, I don't think social media is the devil, Bobby. Okay. Like, I don't think it's bad within itself. I think like many things in life, it's neutral. And what you do with it can either make it good or bad. What you do with it can either glorify God or could influence you to slip into sin, whatever that may be, it's whatever you do with it. But here's the thing. Social media was created to connect each other, but many people use it to replace each other. That makes sense? It's created to connect each other, but if we use it wrong, or if we're using it in place of other people, now we feel disconnected. And isn't it strange that we're the most connected we've ever been in human history, yet for some reason we're the loneliest generation statistically in human history? I, I read an article about that. Uh, a psychologist was studying this, uh, and, and he said this right here. 
he said the rate of loneliness in America, and, and loneliness not meaning like moments of it, but, but kind of prolonged, uh, almost like a way of life, uh, is up from 11% in the 1980s to around 40% in 2010. 11% to 40%. And did you know that, that isolation and, and being by yourself and living away from people is also bad for your health? I was also reading this, and, and one study found that isolation creates elevated levels of the stress hormone cortisol. It's, it, it, it gives us poor sleep quality. Though you can sleep, you never get to that deep REM cycle sleep. So though you're asleep, your body's never really recharging at all. It also had, it showed that there was a 29% increase in the risk for heart disease. Isolation also showed a 32% increase in the risk for stroke. Accelerated cognitive decline. King James quick. That's why I got to stay on the solitaire. Heightened systematic inflammation. Reduced immune function. You get sick easier. This isn't from any this isn't from diet. This isn't from anything other than not being with people. That's how much we were created to be with people. And then he goes on to say this the mortality risks associated with loneliness exceed those associated with obesity and physical inactivity and are comparable to those associated with smoking. Put differently, socially isolated people are twice as likely to die early versus those with healthy social interactions. The reason why I'm taking so much time to tell you these things is, is I think that at the surface we know these things to be true, but we don't, we don't really take them seriously. And, and it's not just to, to take it seriously or, or to bring it down at all, but it's to show that we were designed a certain way. And at a point it's not optional. That God created us for community. And we have to be careful that we're not replacing each other with this entertainment. Because here's the thing, I think that the, the, the deal is, is that we have, we have so much to keep us entertained that we could just sit there all day and just find stuff right here to do and never talk to anybody. And then we're just little islands. I think we have so much to keep us busy that, that we can actually use social media instead of social meetups. I, I think that if we're not careful, we can choose to create our own created ways instead of living life the creator's way. It's not good. It's not good to be alone. We are better together. All right, here we go. Uh, how do I know? Uh, raise your right hand if you know who Andy Minio is. Okay, all right, I see you, I see you. Now, raise your left hand if you know who Derek Miner is. Okay. Raise both elbows if you know both. Just kidding, you raise both hands, that's fine. I just want to see. Okay, um, well, they did a song together in 2011, seven years ago. Wow. Uh, seniors, you were in fifth grade. I'm not old, you're old, okay? Um, they did a song together in 2011, and it was titled In His Image. And Andy Mineo has these two lines um, at, at the end of like his section, and the first line says, not satisfied being God of your own life, you're not one. That's a whole sermon within itself right there, but I'm going to look at this last line right here. Why do we need community? Because our God's one. Tim Keller says it like this, if we are made in God's image, 
he is three persons in one, then at our fundamental core, we are made for community. If God himself, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is one, and we are made in his image, then at our core, we are made for community ourselves because our God is a community. This is why our longing and our desire is so deep within who we are to be a part of something, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. It's not good to be alone. We are better together. You guys are awesome. All right. Uh, another reason is that we need each other. We really do need each other. Uh, we need each other to defend against the enemy's attacks, right? He, he doesn't like it now for those that have given their life to Christ or blip on his radar. And we, we need each other to help defend that because a lot of times Satan's going to try to feed us lies. And if we're just by ourselves, we're more susceptible to accept those and to live those out. And if we have other people around us speaking truth into our lives, we need other people into our lives to continually point us towards God's love. We need people in our lives to lovingly point out sin in our lives that's holding us back from a thriving relationship with God. We need that as well. And we need each other to, to share in the joy in our victories when we're on the mountaintops. And we need each other when we're down in the valleys when everything seems to be going bad. We need each other no matter where we are. We need each other. The Bible says this. Here's just a few things that stuck out to me. In Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says this. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Later on in the same book, chapter 10, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. This list could go on and on and on and on. The Bible shows this so many times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament with the New, the New Testament church and how it's created. They were so strong because they were together. Because they were together. They needed each other. Okay, you're going, okay, Ryan, I get it. It's not good to be alone. I know that we're better together. But, but what do I do? Where do I, where do I, where do I go from here? Like, well, I understand those things. I get them. I agree with you. But where do I go from here? Well, earlier I said that we're created for community, but we're not just created for any type of community. There's types of communities that you could be a part of that's not good for you. Maybe some groups that you're a part of that's not good for you. Maybe you're a different person when you're with those groups. You come back a different person. Maybe some of you are, are in those types of groups right now. And we're not just created just for any type of community, but for a Christ-centered community. He created you and I to become a child of God. All right? There's a, and, and, and let me stop here. And I want you all to hear this. I want you all to hear this right here. Um, there's a huge misunderstanding, and I, and I don't know if it's culture-wide or if it's worldwide, that, that everyone that's born is a child of God. 
Scripturally speaking, that's not true. I, I want that to be true. Who, who doesn't want that to be true? But, and I think that's something that we're told, but when you look in Scripture, that's not at all what we see. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says that by nature or by birth, you and I are born children of wrath. That doesn't sound like a child of God. We are born children of wrath. Rick Warren says it this way. He says, you become a part of the human family by your first birth, physical birth. But you become a member of God's family by your second birth or spiritual birth. See, we all have a physical birth at the beginning of our lives. But Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, verse 3, that you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And if you're hearing that for the first time, you're probably thinking what Nicodemus thought. So I say, what? I'm a grown man. That is physically impossible. That is kind of weird to think about. I don't think that can happen. And that's the whole point, is that it is physically impossible. It is impossible for you and I on our own to be born again spiritually, to become children of God, to be saved. It is physically impossible just by ourselves. Because here's the deal. Every single one of us, at some point in our lives, we have chosen our own selfish way over God's ways. Whether that's through thought, through something we said, or through something we did. And this sin, which is sin is going against God's perfect ways, this sin has separated us from God. And because we have sinned against an infinite, eternal, and everlasting God, the punishment must also be infinite, eternal, and everlasting. Our sin creates a debt, and this debt will be paid. It will be paid. It won't be swept underneath the rug. You won't get a free pass. You won't, he, won't, he won't look the other way. God can't do that because he's just and he's loving. Those two go together. Sometimes we don't like to think that, but they have to go together or none of them happen. And here's the thing. This debt has to be paid, and you have two options. You have two options. Here they are. Either you must pay for your sin for an infinite amount of time, or an infinite being that is without sin must pay for your sins one time. Let me say that again. Either you must pay for your sin for an infinite amount of time, or an infinite being who is without sin will pay for your sin one time. And guys, God loved us so much that he didn't leave us there. He loved us so much that there was that option, or it would have just been option A. And if he left it there, he still would have been righteous. He still would have been right. He still would have been just. That would have been fair. But God loved us so much that he paid for the sin himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He loved us so much that he got off of his throne to come down to live how we live here as a human being to be our replacement on the cross. He loved us so much that he gave himself over to die to the same people that he made. He made those people that nailed him to the cross. He gave himself over to die to the people that he loved. He's hanging on the cross, can barely speak, and uses what breath he has to pray for them, saying, God, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't fully understand. What kind of love is that? That's amazing love. That's absolutely incredible. And God did that, not because he had to. He didn't. That's the whole point is he didn't have to, but he did it out of love, out of love for you, out of love for me out of love for all of us. Here's the thing. Becoming a child of God, guys, it's happening all the time. It's not like something out there or like something that only happens like at camp. The past two Sundays, including girls' conference, nine students here 
became children of God. Usually people amen at that part. Okay, don't amen me, amen him. He, he did it. I didn't do it. Nine students here, past two Sundays and girls' conference, became children of God. Eternity is completely changed. Lives forever completely changed. According to Scripture, they got a brand new heart. According to Scripture, they got a brand new spirit. God didn't do some curb appeal and some editing on their lives. They are now a brand new creation, and he offers that to all of us. That is incredible, guys, incredible. And here's the thing. Once we become a child of God, man, be a part of the family. Because you can be a part of the family but, like, eat your dinner in your room, right? Don't be that guy. I did that a couple times growing up. Sorry. Don't be that guy. You could be a part of the family and still isolate yourself. That's on you. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Because here's the thing. Once you're a part of God's family, it, it, there's, there's no way that the enemy can grab you out of his hands. There's no way that God will fumble at all. But here is the deal. He's going to do his best to try to isolate you. Satan's number one tool for making Christians ineffective is isolation. His number one tool for making you ineffective, though you are saved, though you are a child of God, he's going to do his best to make you as ineffective as possible by trying to feed you lies, and he will try to get you on your own island. He will try to isolate you. Why? Because he knows how bad that is for you. He knows how you're made, and he knows getting you alone, away from the family of God, away from the body of Christ, away from the church, is not good for you. He knows that. And we don't want that either. So here at Champion Forest, and, and even with the student ministry, and we've created all these different types of opportunities to get not just connected, but, but to be a part of something. Not to just sit in, in a room and, and take up air, but, but be a part of it. Be a part of it so you don't leave the same as you came that day. Here, here's a couple things. Midweek, every Wednesday night, middle schoolers, we take over this building, and it's amazing. Okay? And at the end, we have small groups. High schoolers, you get to be in host homes. You know how awesome that is? That someone in the middle of their work week, after a full work day, commuting, going to work, doing all these things, that they would open up their home that night, probably bake some cookies, Maybe have some veggies. I'm not into that thing. But, you know, some, you know, they open up their homes for you guys because they know how important it is to be a part of a small group. They don't have to do that at all. They could easily say no. Don't do that, by the way. But thank you. Um, but they know how important that is. Doulos program, we have a student leadership program. It's now open to all grades. Mission trip teams, who's going on mission trip? Yeah, mission trip teams, those within themselves are their own groups. They're their own communities. Camp teams, anybody going to camp? Yes. You will look back on your youth, on your teenage years, and you will remember your camp experience. You will remember your camp teams. So sign up. Plug done. Uh, Tuesday nights, middle school guys, we have a group called Uncommon, where we go through the book called Uncommon by Tony Dungy. We learn how to be men of God. Uh, and then... The other one we have is something called Life Groups. Champion Force is a huge church, and here's the thing. It's super easy to hide. It's super easy to hide in a big church. It's really easy. Some people will go to a big church so that they can hide. We have Life Groups, guys, because we need those. It's not like, oh, other people have Sunday school, and we want to keep that tradition. No, we need these life groups, especially in a bigger church like this. It is even that much more important. Let me show you this. 
there's been research and there's a danger on just going to worship service only, okay? They did some research on those that just went to worship service versus those that went to worship service and life groups, okay? If you just went to worship service, five years later, there was a 16% chance that you were still there. 16% chance. Now, for those that went to worship service and life groups, there was an 83% chance that in five years, they were still there. The one difference was that they were plugged in. Because when we're not plugged into something, when we just kind of have one foot in, we just kind of dip in the toes a little bit, bro, you ain't going to be there. You're not in it. You're literally wasting your time. This is a really bad hobby. As Matt Chandler would also say, church is a really weird hobby to have. Like if you're here, man, engage. Man, expect God to move. He wants to do things into your lives, but if you're shutting them off, he's not going to be able to. 16 to 83% chance. Think about having a 16 in a class and then having an 83. A 16, you ain't going to have nothing. Phone's going to be gone. PlayStation gone. Car gone. Food might be gone. Or maybe just vegetables. I don't know. Well, people do that now because they like that. I don't get that either. All right, so um, <laughs> as I close, uh, I'm going I'm to close this up. I'm going to invite the, uh, the band to come back up. And we're going to respond in worship. Because um, here's the deal. We have all of these groups here at church, and we have all these opportunities. And, and, and we can have the best events and the best camps and the best mission trips and the best leaders. And we can, we can have all of these things, but, but ultimately, you got to make that decision. I mean, we can have all of these things, but if you just autopilot through it, like if you just come in and just like have headphones in, then don't expect to be changed. But here's the thing. God doesn't want that for you. He wants to change you. He wants to transform you. We can come up with all of these things, but ultimately we can't hold your hand. Like ultimately you got to make that jump and you got to make that decision. The Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's not good. It's our last one, so let's say it loud. It's not good, it's not good. to be alone. We are, we are better together. Better together. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.